0: Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. So, as you know, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been working through a series entitled um, Reaching the One, really taken from the mission of City Reach Church Cumberland. If you're new to, new to the church or, or maybe you're just getting reconnected, we have one mission here, and really it's, it's in our name, City Reach. And that mission is to reach the one that is far from God, and help them become a passionate follower of Jesus. So over the last few weeks, we've looked at different stories where Jesus has reached and interacted with an individual, reaching the one, and just how we can take thoughts and and, uh, some practical things from from his ministry and incorporate them into what we do here is reaching the one. So we looked obviously, the first, we looked in John chapter 3. All these have been from the book of John so far. John 3, we looked at Nicodemus. How do you reach a Pharisee? All right, we all know a couple legalistic people. And uh, how do you reach a Pharisee? Jesus said, you must be born again. We looked at John chapter 4, which was the Samaritan woman. We have a woman that was rejected, divorced by five husbands, rejected because of her, uh, her race or ethnicity. And how do you reach somebody that's different than you? Somebody that's not like you. And then after that, we, we talked about healing in John chapter 5, which was Jesus that healed the lame man, the guy that had been lame for 38 years and had been laying for a long time at the pool of Bethesda, and, and we looked at that, and I think I'm missing one. Anyway, somebody pull their notes out. Tell me what I'm missing. What was it? John 8. Oh, yeah, last week. Where was I? John 8, uh, the woman caught in adultery. So how do you reach somebody stuck in sin? How do you break the cycle of sin in your own life? And so that was last week. Glad somebody paid attention. So this week, uh, I want to, I think this might be the last one or maybe one more, but today I want to look at John chapter 9, and we're going to look at the man born blind, the man born blind. Now, we're not going to take this story really in the context of, of physical healing today because we really looked at that more when, the, when Jesus healed the man that was lame for 38 years. But I want to look uh, and I want to read, we're going to read John chapter 9 verses 1 through 11 and then we're going to skip the next few verses and we're going to read verses 35 through 41. And I just want to show you that, that this, this thing, blindness, is something that relates to everybody. Anybody here that's ever been called four eyes other than Bernie Hennigan? Yeah, you're welcome. Four eyes. Why do we call people four eyes? Well, they wear glasses. Now, fortunately, when I was a kid, when people were really mean and liked to call call names, I didn't wear glasses then. But, you know, you you, you make fun of somebody, you call them four eyes. Well, did you know that everybody really has four eyes? Everybody has two sets of eyes. You have a set of physical, eyes, right, that you see with, and you have a set of spiritual eyes, and so really everybody's got four eyes, if you look at it that way, uh, so to quit making fun of people, maybe there's six eyes, I don't know, hey, six eyes, so when, when Jesus is, uh, we're, we're going to look at the person born blind, just think about somebody, not just that, that, that became blind over, over time, and unfortunately, I've, I've, had, I've had corrective surgery, and now I'm worse than, than before. I feel like it was the guy that said, "Go and send no, more or less the worst thing come on you," and now my vision's gotten worse than it was before. But, uh, think about somebody that was born blind. They've never seen light. They've never, they've never seen people, trees, creation. They've only experienced darkness. That's the only thing. They only know what it means to see darkness. They have no experience with light. Also, somebody born blind can do nothing in and of themselves to not be blind. They were born that way. And so when we look at the story of the man born blind and Jesus healing them, there's the physical healing component. I'm not going to go there so much on that today, but really it relates to spiritual blindness. And that just like the person that's born blind, we're all born in sin. You were all born because, not because you, you woke up and, and, and sinned, but because Adam sinned. You remember Adam and Eve? It said Adam sinned. And, and Paul says it this way. He said, for by one man, sin came into the world and death by sin. And because of that, death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Because, so because Adam sinned, because you're a descendant of Adam, you were born that way. If you think about David in Psalm 51, when when his his prayer, of repentance for his uh, his act of uh, immorality and murder, he even says that I was conceived when my mother gave birth to me. I was born a sinner. The New Living Translation says that way. I was conceived in sin, and that so when you come into this world, you're born in a state of spiritual blindness. You're born in sin. You don't know anything but darkness. You don't know the light. And like the blind man, you can't do anything to fix your situation. You can try. You can can do a lot of good things. You can can try to live right, but at the end of the day, you're still blind. And so as I look at this story, I, I want to look at how Jesus reached the one. We're going to look at three things today. That I want to point out, so we're going to read through this, and, and I'm going to focus on more the, the conversation that he has with his disciples in the beginning of it. So really, really, we're going to focus uh, our points today on, on verses 1 through 4. But we're going to read the whole story in context so we get it. But here's the three points. We want to write them down. Uh, three things that, that, that we need to, when we're reaching somebody that's blind or, or born blind or born spiritually blind. One is, it's going to be stones, suppositions, and sunsets. What in the world does that have to do with anything? Stones, suppositions, and sunsets. All right, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to go up, uh, or you follow along uh, on the overhead. John chapter 9. Verse 1, it says, now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, just imagine that for a minute. So Jesus healed people. This wasn't the first blind person that he healed, but it was the first uh, the first time a person who was born blind had, had ever been healed. But imagine, so if 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 you're born blind, right, you've never seen the light of day, but But sometimes, and usually when somebody loses use of one sense, the other senses become a little more heightened, right? And and so they they hear things, and and they feel things that that, that maybe you wouldn't normally hear. So imagine this, the guy's sitting there, and it says later that he's a beggar. And so he's probably sitting down. And, And can you imagine that probably this guy has been there his whole life? We know that he's an adult by this time. People have probably spat on him before. So he's walking by. Now you can imagine, he can't see anything. And so he hears Jesus go. He probably wonders what's coming. Jesus spits on the ground and makes mud. And he puts this mud on the guy's eyes. You know, sometimes, this really is the message today, but sometimes the thing that's hurt you or caused emotional pain in you, God will use that very thing to bring healing in your life. Is that this guy was not only physically blind, but he probably had been emotionally wounded over the years. The way he was treated, spat on, kicked, who knows? And verse 7 said, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, uh, just a side note, pool of Siloam is within the walls of Jerusalem. It's fed by the spring called the Gihon Spring, which is about a thousand miles, oh, not a thousand miles, a thousand feet away. And it was, it was uh, an architectural, really a wonder back uh, in the Old Testament done by Hezekiah who dug Hezekiah's tunnel, it was about a thousand feet long. And brought water underground through rock. And you can go there today, and and if you go to Israel and walk through it. Brought water underground and fed this this pool of Siloam. And the word Siloam uh, in Hebrew means sent. So you can get the picture here. We're not going to really talk about it today at all. But Jesus is telling the man to wash in a pool called Sent. Jesus is the sent one. And so that when you're washed in the sent one, you then too are also sent. And we see that this guy went, and he eventually went back and talked to people of his own town. And he said, Therefore, there were neighbors, and those who were previously had seen that he was blind, said, Is this not the one who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. And others said, He is like him. And he said, I'm he. Therefore, they said to him, How are your eyes open? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Now, so after that, after that, so the part we're going to skip, we're going to go down to verse 35. But So what they do is, is they bring the guy to the Pharisees, and they're like, hey, what happened? He said, hey, this guy, he puts mud on my eyes, he takes spit, he makes clay, puts it on my eyes, tells me to go wash. I go wash, and I come back seeing. They said, we don't believe you. Bring your parents here. So they bring his parents in, and his parents said, hey, now, the parents were scared because the Pharisees had said anybody that followed Jesus would be kicked out. So what the parents said, they were, they were very diplomatic. They would have been great politicians because they said, hey, he's of age, ask him. It would have, what a great, it's, it's like the Larry Bird bounce pass, you know? It's just kind of like a redirect. So they're like, well, hey, how did, how did your son like? Hey, he's old enough, ask him. So they bring him back in. They said, tell us again, we know that this Jesus is a sinner, and he says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But what I do know is I was blind and now I see. And they got so furious with him that they kicked him out again. They just cast him completely out of the temple because they just couldn't stand it. And then we go to verse 35. Next slide. In verse 35, so so after that, Jesus realizes he's been cast out and Jesus tracks him down. And Jesus had heard that they cast him out, and when he had found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Verse 39 says, Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into the world. This sounds a little contradictory to what we read last week, so I want to talk about that for a minute. Jesus says, for judgment, I have come into the world. That those who do not see may see, and those who may see, who, oh, this, this is like a tongue twister. That those who do not see, how about uh, Sally sold sails by the seashore? <laughs> that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to him, them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. So it says, Jesus says in verse 39, he says, for judgment, I've come into the world. Now, we just read last week, and when, when he, Jesus is interacting with, uh, you remember when he, when he was talking to Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, uh, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then when he talks to the, the woman caught in adultery. And and she says, Woman, where are thine accusers? And, and has no one accused you? And she he says, she says, No one, my Lord. And Jesus says, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So we see in Scripture that Jesus didn't come to condemn, Jesus didn't come to judge, and that yet right here it says, For judgment I have come into the world. So this word judgment, Greek word krino, can mean two things. It can mean to pass. A condemnatory or damnatory sentence is one thing, but it can also mean to separate or make a distinction. And so that's, that's the, the, the definition that's being used here. So think of it like this. So if, if, you, uh, if you read, uh, if you take communion, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, he says, whoever eats and drinks in an unworthy manner Eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning or not separating the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sickly among you and have have, uh, fallen asleep. So what he's saying, he says, uh, you have not judged the Lord's body. You have not separated or made a distinction between the blood of Christ and the body of Christ. That the blood of Christ is for your forgiveness. The body of Christ is for your healing. And when you don't make a proper distinction for that reason... You're not taking, place, uh, taking communion in a proper manner. You're not appropriating the body of Christ for your healing. And so that's the same way this is being used here. It says, I've come into the world to bring judgment. Jesus basically says, I'm going to be a dividing line. I'm coming. In, in Matthew, it says, do you think that I've come to bring peace? No, I've come to bring division. That's a crazy thing for Jesus to say. He said five houses will be divided, three against two. It says son against father, father against son, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. I love this one, stepdaughter, or daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Doesn't say anything about sons-in-law, but just daughters-in-law. But he he says, "I'm, I'm, I'm coming, I'm bringing, I'm coming as a dividing line. And what he's saying here, the dividing line that he's talking about right here, he said, some of you are blind and you won't admit it, See, the the people that say that, hey, I realize I'm blind. I need to see. He said, your sin will be gone completely. He said, you will have no sin no longer. The ones that say, you know what? I'm good. I can see. He said, you're still blind and your sin remains. And so he's bringing this dividing line between those that accept him and those that reject him. Not judging, he's bringing the truth, but he comes as as kind of like the continental divide, so to speak. It's just putting you on either, either side. You're either going to say, hey, I can't see, I need to see. And he says, if you do that, your sin's gone. Or if you say, you know what? Eh, I hear you, I'm good, I've always been good, your sin remains. And that's the division. All right, next slide. Stones. All right, here we go. So, I want to give you a little context because we picked up in John chapter 9, verse 1, right? And it said, John 9, 1 starts out and says, Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. John 9, 1. So, a lot of times when we read the Bible, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. Did you guys know that? Right? That came along in like the, I think, 1500s. So it was one continuous book John wrote. And if you go back to John eight fifty nine, it gives a little context to what happens here. So if you remember John 8, at the end of John 8, Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees. And, and they're going, and, and he makes a statement. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Basically saying that I was around before Abraham was. I'm eternal. I'm the son of God. And and the Pharisees say, you're not even 50 years old yet. How could you have seen Abraham? And they call him a liar. And and what they did is they picked up stones. Now you talk about a bad day at the office. Right? A bad day at the office. Here's Jesus doing ministry, and the Pharisees pick up stones. I mean, I don't know. They didn't stone him, but they tried to, so Attempted murder, I don't know what you'd call it. Assault? You know, my wife got assaulted this week. Wasn't by me, though. <laughs> For of her ones. She had a guy, well, okay, don't go there. Don't go there. I just got, the Holy Spirit just cut me off. All right. You guys want to hear the story? All right, Maybe maybe later, maybe later, maybe later. It says, they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So I always think it's cool. I don't know how he did it. Did he like, like, because numerous times Jesus was able to pass right through them, and it was like they didn't see him. I almost feel like, I could almost imagine he's like, hey, John, strike it up. And they start doing the John Cena song. You know the John Cena song? Oh, yeah. Your time is up. My time is now. You can't see me. My time is now. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Had a holy covering, but somehow Jesus just like he goes right through him. Now, if Jesus got persecuted, do you think you're going to be persecuted? Jesus said in John 15, he's telling his disciples on the next slide, it says, if the world hates you, I'm sorry, if the world hates me, no, it says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it ate you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. See, if Jesus got persecuted in ministry. He tells us, you're going to have the same thing. And he says, if the world persecutes you. So anytime, you may not have physical stones. Anybody ever had somebody pick up a stone? I don't mean like a little pea shooter pebble. I mean like a rock. Probably not. But maybe people have done things to you. Maybe people have talked about you slandered you whatever here's what you got to remember it's not the person see he says if the world hates you know that they hate the world hated me before it, before it hated you see John tells us in 1 John 5:17 he says all the world the whole world is under the sway of the devil See the enemy is behind whatever's happening to you even if it's coming through a person. See, even when he says that we wrestle not, you remember this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness. What is everybody that's unsaved? Blind. Rulers of darkness against spiritual weakness in heavenly places. See, Paul even said this. See, see, the enemy is the one blinding people. He's also the one causing things to happen that are coming against you. Paul says that the gospel, if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those that are perishing. This is 2 Corinthians four, verse three and four. He said, "Whose mind the God of this world has blinded, lest the gospel of the glory of, of God, who is the image of or Christ, whose image of God should shine to them." See, the enemy is blinding people's minds. The enemy is the one bringing persecution in your life. But here's what I want to point out. Jesus didn't let that instance stop him from doing ministry. Now, go to the next slide. I want to to read this as it was written. Listen to this. "Then Then he took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself... Went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, as Jesus passed by, go back, he saw a man who was blind from birth. See that? They're picking up stones, they're trying to stone him. He gets out of that situation and passes by them, and as he's passing by, he sees a man. See, what happens a lot of times is, do we, are we going to have spiritual warfare that we have to deal with? Yes. Is that a part of our spiritual walk? Yes. Is it a reality that we need to have the, the full armor of God on? Yes. Does Jesus give us authority over the enemy? Yes. But what happens a lot of times is we stop there. See, we have a success against the devil. We're like, oh yeah, opened a can of whoop on the devil today. Oh, we took it to him. A little in Jesus name and the the blood of Jesus and, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And Man, we whipped the devil. But here's what the Lord showed me this week is we can't get satisfied resisting the one so much so that we forget to reach the one. And then if you're wearing this t-shirt today, I'm sorry, but the Lord spoke this to me yesterday at four in the morning. He said, we've got to move from not today, Satan, to today is the day of salvation. Now, we need to stand against the enemy. That, that's part of our walk. But we can't get so hyped up that, oh yeah, oh yeah, we kick the devil's butt today and walk right by a blind man because at the end of the day Jesus called us to disciple nations. And so often we get we get caught up in the success of the battle with the enemy that we miss the one that needs Jesus. And there's Jesus that walked right out of a situation where he was about to be stoned and right into a situation where he heals a God born blind. Next slide. Don't be satisfied with resisting the one that you forget about reaching the All right, next. Suppositions. So previously, Jesus has dealt with, and we talked about this before, that sin is an open door to sickness, that Jesus does not send sickness, but sin opens the door for the devil to do what he does. And so I just love this. So here they're walking by, Jesus sees a man born blind, and what do the disciples say? They they all of a sudden, they're they're forming all kinds of theological uh, doctrine now. You ever hear there's no such thing as a dumb question? Hey, this, this, this verse proves that is wrong. This verse proves that's wrong. And they say, Jesus, rabbi, teacher, who sinned? Was it his parents or was it him? Now think about that for a minute. How could a guy born blind have sinned to cause his blindness? I mean, what did he do? Like, kick too many times in his mother's womb? Maybe he, oh, he was supposed to be delivered on May 25th, and he held out for an extra week, and he didn't come. I don't know. What what could a baby do in in utero to be born blind? That's a dumb question. Anybody ever ask dumb questions? My brother-in-law used to be famous for it we would be on a long trip, you know, and somehow I'd always drive the first leg. Now, now, if you alternate drivers, when's the most logical time to alternate drivers? When you make a stop, right? Logic would tell you we stop at a pit stop, get out of the car, go to the bathroom, and then we switch seats. Not my brother-in-law. We get back in the car, I'm back in the driver's seat waiting, okay, you gonna ask? You going nope, doesn't ask, all right, so I get back in. We get back on 95, we're not 30 seconds on 95, he goes, hey, bro, do you want me to drive? <laughs> like, What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? There's dumb questions. See, a lot of times the questions we're asking are not the questions Jesus is answering. We can get tracked with the things that don't really matter at the end of the day. And so the disciples say, Master, teacher, who sinned? Was it this guy's parents? Was it him? What's Jesus say? Neither. He says, neither. This man's sin nor his parents. Now, I want to make, if you read this verse, what does it sound like the reason he was born blind? It says, neither this man's sin nor his parents, but that the works of God might be revealed in him. It sounds like and reads like that God made him blind so that one day Jesus could come along and bring healing to his life. That doesn't line up with the rest of Scripture. See, you can't have God sending sickness and Jesus healing sickness. Otherwise, you have a divided house. See, Jesus said, if we go to the next slide, He says in uh, Matthew chapter 12. Next slide. Now, this is talking about, this is a time that that the, the Pharisees accused Jesus of casting out, a, a demon out of a guy by the by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. It says, then one was brought to him who was demon possessed, get this, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute both spoke and saw. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? See, you can't have... If you have Satan casting out Satan, he's working against himself, and he says, the house divided cannot stand. The same way you can't have God the Father sending sickness just so Jesus can come in and heal it. Otherwise, you have Jesus working against the Father. See, Jesus came and took every sickness, every disease, everything into his body. God poured out all his wrath, all his judgment on Jesus. And if he put that on you, it would be like double jeopardy. It'd be judging you for something Jesus already paid for, and God doesn't do that. See, a lot of people say, well, I'm suffering this sickness for the Lord. God sent me this sickness to teach me a lesson. Let me tell you what, sickness is part of the curse. If you don't believe it, read Deuteronomy chapter 28. The first 14 verses talk about the blessings of the, under the law. Verses 15 to 68, a whole bunch of them talk about curses. And verse 28 says blindness is part of the curse. Jesus is not going to, the Father's not going to put something on somebody that Jesus came to redeem us from. He wouldn't do that. It doesn't work like that. So how do we reconcile this? Well, I don't want to get in, take a lot of time, but remember I said how, how there were no chapter and verses in the Bible. There's also no punctuation. So translators put punctuation in to make it more readable, the way it should flow. And so I, I it's now you can you can throw this out. You don't have to buy this. I just want to tell you, I think the way verses three and four should have said, Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, period. But that the works of the Father may be revealed in him, I must work the works of the Father. See the difference? One way says, neither this man or his parents sinned, but that the the works of the Father may be revealed in him, or neither this man or his parents sinned, period, but that the works of the Father may be revealed in him, I must work the works while it is day. That lines up with Scripture. That Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. Not to, not to God. God didn't send them. All right, next slide. You know, my, my point is, a lot of times we see somebody, maybe they're sick, maybe they're broken, Maybe they're addicted. And we get more hung up on the the source of their problem than the solution. I I hear it at work all the time somebody gets COVID. Well, I wonder if they had the shot. I wonder if they were wearing their mask. Does it really matter? They're sick. Somebody has hepatitis. They need pray for. Well, I wonder if they used a dirty needle. I bet they were sleeping around and caught that disease. Does it matter? See, too often it's it's not wrong to ask questions. There's a time and place for that. Paul tells Timothy, he says, study, be diligent to show yourself to prove to workmen that 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 need is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In Acts 17, it talks about the Berean church that search out the Scriptures daily. There is a time and place for theological questions, but don't let theological questions get you off track from the fact that somebody needs Jesus. See, we ask questions Jesus is not asking. We want to know... Well, how did they get that way? What did they do? That doesn't matter in the moment. All I know is the person needs Jesus. I don't care. I do care, but I don't care how they got there. That's not important. What's important is I know a Savior, I know a healer, I know a deliverer, and that person needs one or all of the three. Anybody ever hear of Charles Spurgeon? Old preacher from the 1800s. I like the way he says this. Look at this. Let us then be less inquisitive and more practical, less for cracking doctrinal nuts. I don't know if that was people or. <laughs> less for cracking doctrinal nuts and more for bringing forth the bread of life to the starving multitudes. I love doctrine. I love theology. I love Scripture. But don't get so caught up in the who, what, where, when, why, and how of that person's situation that you forget to tell them about Jesus. Oh, by the way, I know somebody that can restore your sight. Sunsets. Jesus says... But I must work the works of my Father while it is day. For night comes when no man can work. Your time on earth is short. See, Jesus was here 33 years. He had a three, three and a half years of ministry. He knew that there was a time a space, a season that he had to do what God called him to do. He said, I've got to do this while I'm here because night's coming. There's coming a time when I can't work. See, Jesus was always consumed with doing his father's business. Even when he was a child, do you remember when he was 12 years old, he gets lost in the temple? His parents are looking frantically for him. His Mother's like, what are you doing? Where have you been? He says, Hey, don't you know I must be about my father's business? Next slide. He tells the disciples when he's, when he's talking to the woman, at the, the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He was always conscious that God had called him to a season, a ministry, a work to be done. From the time he was young until the time he went to the cross, John 17, 4 says, this is is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying to the Father. He says, I've glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you've given me to do. Jesus' work was the work of redemption. Jesus' work was to take all of the sin of humanity, go to the cross, be judged by the Father, die in your place, and make a way. His work's done, but your work's not. Our work is not done. Jesus later in that same chapter, John 17, as he's praying to the Father, uh, go to the next slide, I'll read this to you. It says, as you've sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. So Jesus says, the same way, Father, you've sent me to do your work, I'm now sending them. The same way. But that they may believe that you sent, that the world may believe you sent me, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So Jesus says, I'm sending you the same way the Father sent me. And I'm sending you into a lost world, a world that's spiritually blind, a world that's broken, a world that's depressed. Because I want them to know the Father. I want them to believe in me. I love the last part of this verse. It says, so that they may know that God loves them the same way he loves me. When you interact with people, do you present God as a God that loves them the same way he loves his own son? Or do you present God as a judgmental, vindictive, I'm going to get you mafia boss. You know, if you don't pay me, I'm going to come get it one way or the other. I'm going to break a leg or something. He says, I want you to reach people in in a way that they know that I love them the same way I love Jesus. Go back to the previous slide. Okay, next. No, previous slide. One more back. I want to read this in the passion uh, backwards. Let's go backwards. Back to John chapter nine verse four. Go back one. There we go. While it is daytime, we must do the works of the one who sent me. But when the sun sets and night falls, the works impossible. Some translations Jesus says I must work the works of the father. Other translations says we must work the works of the father. They're both right because Jesus had a season and you have a season. See what you have to realize is that time is short. James says that your life is like what? It's a vapor, it's a mist, it's a breath of air. See, one of several things is going to happen. Either you're going to live your life to the full, and you're going to pass on to the next. Jesus might come back and rapture you out if you're you're saved. But either way, there'll come a time when you can't work anymore. See, what you don't know is you don't know when it'll be your last opportunity or maybe their last opportunity. There's a seriousness to reaching the one. I think I've shared this a few years ago, but I had a guy that that worked for me for a lot of years, worked for my dad. Didn't live right. This guy drank. He drank lots of beer, uh, played hard, you know, one of those. And uh, he ended up in the hospital pretty much on his deathbed. Felt the Holy Spirit say, go talk to him. Like this guy just always pulled through, always pulled through, and I was like, eh, I'll I'll do it tomorrow. That guy passed into eternity that night. So you don't know when it's going to be your last day or their last day. You have to make the best use of every opportunity God gives you. You can't get sidetracked because you just chalked one up against the devil, so much so that you just pass on by the guy that's blind. You can't get stuck in suppositions and assumptions and and questions and how this and how that, so much so that we forget that there's somebody in front of us that needs Jesus. And I'd also tell you, don't wait till tomorrow. If you need to make a phone call, make it today. If you need to go visit somebody, do it today. If you need to write a note of encouragement, if you need to go pick somebody up off the street, do it today. Because there's no guarantees for tomorrow. Bow your heads, we're going to pray. And this message today is mainly for those that are already saved to encourage you not to get sidetracked when God's talking to you about reaching the one that needs Jesus. You may not have a second chance to talk to that person. You may not have another opportunity. (laughs) Things happen. Decisions are made. Consequences happen. But there's also a chance that you're here today and you don't know Jesus. And I would say to you, your time is not guaranteed either. And if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you've ever had your sins forgiven, that you've ever been washed whiter than snow, that you've ever been made new, just want to pray for you today. That's all I want to do. I want to pray for you. I want to lead you in prayer. If that's you, just want you to quickly just lift your hand up. Just lift it up. See that hand? Any other hand? Anybody else? Doesn't know. See that hand? I don't know. If I, if I would pass today, if I would spend eternity, we're not talking about a year, 10 years, 100 years. We're talking about billions of years. If that was you and you raised your hand, I just want you to pray pray this prayer. Father God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that Jesus died for me. He took my place. He died for me. He paid for my sin. He rose again and I receive Him as my Savior. Jesus, Jesus, you prayed that I want you to know that you are a new creation you're going to heaven your sins are forgiven if you don't have a bible I'd encourage you to get one we have some in the back before we go I just want to pray for everybody else here we be diligent in our mission father God Lord, I just pray for each person here today, each person joining us online, that, Father, we would not just get so, I guess the, the phrase is, so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good, that, that we get so hung up on religiosity or, or doctrine or whatever it is that we just step right over top of people that, that need you. So Father, we know that as believers, you've opened opened our eyes, you've healed us of spiritual blindness, but Father, if we've allowed our hearts to become hardened for whatever reason, I just pray your Holy Spirit to soften hearts. If calluses have begun to grow over our spiritual eyes to where we, we used to see people, and our heart used to burn, but it no longer does. Father, reignite that fire. Or there's a world, a world that needs you. Let us never be comfortable. Father God, I just pray your blessing on each person here. Favor them today and this week in Jesus' name. you're here, if you need any sort of prayer, specific prayer, we're here for you. We'd love to pray for you, chat, whatever it is. God bless you. Have a great day.